Welcome to another episode of The Hard Rock Show. I'm Andrew. I'm Tim. It's just us two tonight, so uh, strap yourselves in. We've got some fun to get through. Uh, make sure you're following all of our social media channels. Uh, also, follow us on YouTube and on all your audio favorite, you know, whatever you listen to it on or watching it on. Just follow us, subscribe, all that sort of, st- all that sort of stuff. Um, and if you'd be so kind, please also check out our Patreon page to give us some support. We're extremely busy, so every little bit counts. Uh, it makes life easier, a lot easier for me to do all the editing on it. <laughs> um, so we have all sorts of stuff in there like early access, Zoom sessions, giveaways, reviews for you, all that sort of stuff too. So just check it out while we're talking about that sort of stuff a big thank you to our wonderful sponsors in squidding screen printing alt cult and rockstar finance please find them and give them a follow as well their details along with ours are in the description for this so whether you're watching or listening to this then you'll find the information you need there for all that coming up in this episode we have reviews of the latest from ashen moon chaos divine the struts and blackstone cherry i'll have a hot topic we'll go to in just a second but Tim, how have you been? It's been, what, a week or so since we had Yeah, your- a week. A week yeah. or so. I uh, missed the uh, second half of the Halloween taping. Yeah, you did miss that one. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. It was good. Um, yeah, bars have opened up a little bit in Victoria, so it's good to head out today. Yeah. Uh, have, have a tap beer. That yeah, wasn't a guzzler. Yeah. How did that feel going down for the first time in how long? Good. <laughs> We've been getting, um, you know, there's guzzlers from the taps. Yep. And, um, yeah, it's just not the same. Instead. Mm. So it's been good to get back there. Uh, how are you? Yeah, good. Same old, same old. Keeping busy. Uh, doing intermittent work uh, with printing and then just sort of keeping busy doing this stuff here. So editing the uh, the Halloween one was a, was a fun little game to play for a little while there. But that was... <laughs> But yeah, the actual, I don't know, you, you may not know this one, the actual, because the final edit, the Patreon people have got it, um, but the audience widely haven't got it. It's a three hour edit, man. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, for, if we did 16 albums and Dave found an, an interview from 2015 with the bass player from Halloween and we stuck that in there as well. And that was like 17 minutes on top of that. So the whole thing goes for, yeah, just a tick over three hours. So that was a massive bit of work to get done. Well, so it's what, the 35-year history of the band, though. So yeah. Basically. Yeah. So we, we did a pretty good job. And there's still more we could have done as well, which is the insane thing about it. We didn't do it all. But, yeah, we were talking about it. And I think Dave and I were talking about it when we when the band released their new album. I think mid-next year is when it's due for release. We'll um go and revisit some of the bits and pieces, like some of the live albums. And there's a uh, like an acoustic, symphonic kind of album that we missed as well. So there's a few bits and pieces. Okay. More offshooty kind of stuff, but yeah, we'll we'll get into those ones when the when the new album comes out in twenty twenty one, hopefully, with everything hopefully going yeah. better than it is right now. But considering they're in Europe, and Europe's going to hell right now, I don't know how long that's. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, but um, we do have a hot topic to to get onto. Um, and this one is a relatively new development. Actually, we this one sort of got jumped to the top of the pile because it's been a, a bit of a topic, and that is. There's a new TV show coming out. I forget exactly who's putting it together, uh, but it's called No Cover. Uh, it's a show. It's a contest show for original bands writing their own songs. It features uh, judges like Alice Cooper, Lizzie Hale, and more on this Tosin one. Of, so, sorry? Tosin Abasi from Animals as Leaders is one of them. Yeah, Gavin Rossdale. Um uh, Kellen Quinn from Sleeping with Sirens. So there's a lot there. Katie Babs from Sirius XM will be on there as well. Um, so there's a bit, a bit there. Uh, so it's an interesting little concept. Now, where it's come into, I guess, a bit of problems for some people out there, not necessarily our opinions yet. We'll get to that in just a second. But yeah, you have to pay to, to get your entry in and all that sort of stuff. So, Tim, what do you think of this whole concept of getting original bands to do their original songs for a TV show in the hope of you know winning a contract at the end of it? Okay, so the more I think about this, the more it ticks me off. Okay, yep. It ticks me off when I first saw it. Mm. So here's the deal, right? So a lot of us would have seen the ad originally when it first dropped, uh, which was actually quite a clever bit of advertising, which featured Lizzie Hale saying, fuck American Idol. I haven't seen that. Okay. Well, well, that, that, that's that was the, the header first... on the article, but I haven't seen the video. Is there a video? Or... Oh, I haven't seen the video, but I mean, that's a shareable headline. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know what I mean? And as soon as I saw that, I thought, it's just an American Idol copy show. Why are you saying that? Yeah. Um, 
the problems that I have with American Idol and shows like that, you know, replacing it with original music doesn't solve the problems. Not really, no. Um, that's the first thing. The second part is, I mean, there's a three-tiered entrance system. So the first tier is a chance to get on the show. It's 99 bucks. Yeah. Second tier, I forget how much it is, but you look at it, you know, $300, I think the second tier and 500 for the top. And it's basically to have, you know, record people listen to it. And, 200 bucks, and I think it's in US. Yeah. Yep. And the thing is, is like... Tier three is 500 bucks. Yeah. Uh, to have, you know, the head of Geffen Records listen to your album and provide a critique Which or a single... Which ultimately. Well, that's the thing. It's a very much like a a Disney teenage drama's idea of what it takes to, to make it as a musician. Mm. You know, it's this idea of, oh man, you know, the head of Geffen Records is going to listen to my track and then I'm going to be a rock star and I'm going to have all my dreams come true. It's like, it doesn't fucking work like that. Man. Yep, definitely. Um, at the end of the day, it's a record label. We're looking to make money. And That's it. I think everyone's forgotten that. <laughs> and people think, you know, Spotify is the great enemy. Prior to Spotify, it was a label. It was record labels. And I think the record labels are still a bigger problem than Spotify is. Exactly. And here's the other thing too. The winner gets a, what they're calling a six figure contract, which means it's a hundred thousand dollar (laughs) contract. Right now here's the other deal, right? hundred thousand dollars. Let's say you've got a four piece van, divide that up four ways, 25 K a year. That's not even, Um, I reckon they'll take the cost of recording the album out of that. Probably. Yes. But before we get to that, um, if you're you're basically working as an independent contractor, if you're a musician, it means you're providing all your own expenses, your own uh, insurance, insurance, equipment. If now, and if you add all that together, if you've got to pay for travel, if you're doing a tour, and you've got to pay for travel, you've got to pay for insurance, you've got to pay for accommodation, that twenty five k would last you about three months, if you're lucky. If you're lucky, and that means if you're like you know really penny pinching it, mm. right and. All in all, like, I think it was um, Brad Maher from Massive who put it best. And it's like the the bands that finish two to f- ten probably going to be the best off because yeah. they'll get a little bit of exposure but without having to be screwed. Mm. And the fact is, you know, things like this and American Idol and – you know, the voice and going all the way back to Korean Idol, which was the original. Yeah. Um, they, they target, unfortunately, people who don't know, people with musicians who are green and don't know the industry well enough to know that, you know, they're getting screwed. And like I said, if you look at this, that contract, 100K a year, three months, that means this band's going to be chewed up and spit out before they even know what happened. Mm. So, um, uh, I know pandemic's been tough on a lot of people. I know Lizzie Hale in particular has talked about, you know, how much Hailstorm are going to struggle financially without touring. And I know, uh, Bill Kelly from Mastodon, I did an interview recently saying basically all of Mastodon are on unemployment benefits at the moment. Mm. Um, but and I understand it's tough for everybody at the moment, but... I, I don't think this is a ethical or smart decision for anyone. I think this is a poor, poor, poor form all around for all involved. And you've got to remember as well, it's a television show, which means they're making television money as well. That's the thing. The, the people are going to make the most money out of this are the TV execs. Uh, there's a reason. Well, to the TV, the, well, it's whoever owns the content rights Yeah. as well, which, is, which will be the TV. And the record label exists. Well, I, I went through the T's and C's and stuff, and there's no mention of who owns what after it's done. Like, I'm assuming there'll be an extra layer on the contract that you sign if you get onto TV and all that sort of stuff. So you pay your administration fee to... No, I get the administ- I don't... I'm not too concerned about the administration fee side of things. The $100 one anyway. The ones beyond that are a bit wanky for mine. But the, the $100 one to weed out the ones that have taken the piss from those who are serious about it, I get that. There's, there should be some entry level to it kind of thing if you're not willing to spend that much money then you're not serious anyway so you know I, i'm okay with that people complain about that but i'm okay with the hundred dollar fee the, the other stuff beyond that yeah you can skip that really if you want feedback just get one person's feedback from one record label doesn't mean shit 
you may as well get as many different reviews as you can for free from people like us and other people that do the same thing as us. I think that's more valuable as an artist and it's more social media bank for your buck anyway. So that sort of stuff doesn't bother me too much in that context. Uh, the part that I always get concerned about with these sorts of competition shows is one, the bands that do get onto the show, usually you find that a lot of them end up locked into a contract and then shelved so they don't compete with something that's already been in the works for the last six to 12 months from the label side of things. Anyway, with the production of an artist or group or whatever else, this one has a bit of a different bent. The thing that is interesting is that, you know, you you would think that Alice Cooper and Lizzie Hale wouldn't sign up to something that's going to compromise their integrity. I don't believe they would intentionally sign up to something that would intent would do something like I, I think um, the reason why that's why I mentioned the pandemic. Mm, that's that's where this becomes a grey area because no one knows what this has done to anyone's individual finances. Well, what was the thing? I mean, that's because Lizzie's been open about that. Okay, I haven't seen too much of what yeah. you're about it. So, at the same time, though, yes, governments should step in and help the arts, and I'm always going to completely advocate for that but at the same time if an artist or a band can't find some way to adapt or evolve or if they're over leveraged against other things that have made this situation completely untenable for them then like any other business at the end of the day you've got to find a way to yeah which is which is why i mentioned bill kellyer because he actually did a, a really good interview about how mastodon have gotten through the pandemic yep and sort of how they set the band up as a business to to get through it you know, yeah. prior, prior to, to this. Yeah. So, you know, if anyone wants to check that out. Please do. You've yeah. got to be really smart these days. You've got to be smart and think long-term. And that's where I get my issue with these sort of shows comes in. So this is always seen as a shortcut. And it doesn't prepare anyone for the amount of work that goes in after the fact. So whether you, be, you come 10th, first, whatever, the amount of work that goes into it, if you're not prepared for it, you're going to get, like you said, chewed up and spat out right quick. And there's not even a guarantee that the market's going to buy in on what you produce. And then let's say you've got a bunch of songs that are good to go. Who gets what control over the rights after the fact? How long are you locked into a contract for? None of these things are disclosed. And that's where we talk, you know, like we've had conversations conversation about you know spotify being the devil i think the label than spotify in a lot of respects because it's the the market share of the dollar the bulk of that goes to a label which controls the interest and that's not going to be any different here if you sign to which one is it you're signing to definitely definitely or whatever label it might be whoever you're signing with is still going to control that and they're and on top of this the tv networks and everyone's getting paid to uh, do stuff. There's also the free social media reach, which comes out of it too, with all the bands going share our, our entry. Our comp- like, I reckon that'll be a part of it. That'll be a part yeah. of. There'll be a tier of this of, of an audience choice thing where there'll be a, like a wild card segment where you know, the most popular Facebook vote will get in on it. Uh, you can see all these things coming a mile away. I'd be. I would love to be proven wrong. I would love to be proven wrong. But this is a tried and true formula that's been done to death. And this is not even before you get into the phone call thing where, you know, text in your winner and everyone gets a cut of that money as well. There's a lot of money going around in these sorts of things and none of it ends up going to the artist, which is where I get most annoyed because then the, com- the conversation around that gets dumbed down to, in, you know, oh, Spotify is a bad guy. It's not as cut and dried as that. There's a lot more going on, a lot more fingers in the pie. And, the, and again, I think even if the band is a wild success, what they're not prepared for is what the actual amount of work that goes into it is. Now that's generic. A lot of bands have done a lot of the hard yards for a a large number of years. They'll have an idea, but there'll be some kids in this that have no idea what the fuck's going on. And the success rate for anyone in any of these shows is remarkably low. Incredible. It doesn't matter if it's Korean Idol, American Idol, Australian Idol, The Voice, whatever country's got talent, it doesn't matter. The actual success rate is extremely low. And you usually find yourself over-leveraged over leveraged with a contract that locks you out for the next 12 months at least. And mm-hmm. like I said, I'm, I'm sitting here hoping and praying that, you know, people that I adore in, in Alice Cooper and in Lizzie Hale haven't signed themselves up for something that's going to manipulate unsigned artists. 
but I know how the industry works. <laughs> so I'm sitting there going, yeah, we've all seen it before, unfortunately. Too many times. And it, we, we know it's a proven winner when it comes to... It's a, it's a proven winner in terms of, you know... Money-making for entities. Money-making for those at the top. Yeah. This is the same yeah. as trickle-down economics. <laughs> it's yeah. money at the top and it doesn't really go any further than that. Is my biggest... I would love to... I, would, I will eat humble pie in 12 months if it's proven wrong and it's a raging success. I will sing their praises. Happily, I will eat humble pie. But I think once bitten, twice shy. We've been more than bitten once, kind of thing. Yeah. Done. You got any more you want to add on that one, or are we pretty much unanimously against the concept? Overall? Yeah, pretty much. Um, Google the Bill Gallier article if you listen to this. It's actually really, and you're interested in the music business. Yeah. Uh, check it out. It's actually really interesting. I'll get you to link it to me. I haven't sent that one yet, so I'll get you to send me a link for that. Yeah. The um. The other side of the coin too is that I think that for the effort that goes into these sort of contests, I think if bands or artists are smart with their social media, yes, it takes a lot of work and it's a long grind, but that long grind, if you get a good fan base that, you know, is a, a thousand or 10,000 strong that are willing to put it in the coin for, you can make a leverageable, successful business out of that. You won't hit the, you know, rock star heights, but the thing is that it's self-perpetuating. The more successful you are, the more successful you're going to be. So put in the groundwork and don't take the shortcuts. I think that's the advice I would give from this perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, yeah. I think it's, it becomes a bit of an easy card to play and it just never works out that way. Never works. Well, out. It's, a, it's just a total side story, but um, mm. remember, um, this is an interview with Elton John. Mm. And he was talking about, you know, when he first started touring the U S and of course there were some cities where he was really big and some cities where he was drawing no one. Yeah. And um, the guy who was managing him at the time, because obviously the temptation is, you go back to the city that you draw it big. Yeah. And he goes, his manager at the time was like, look, you can go back there in a year, you're still going to draw big. Yeah. What you need to focus on is the areas where you're not drawing. And start off small, play in those 500 seat shows and build them up. If you build them up, then long term, you'll be much more successful. Yeah. And again, it's putting in the hard yards and really working with your fan base and tr doing your best to connect with people. And um, I don't know, it worked all right for him. So Worked the same for NXS. They went to the US, did the college circuit. No That's one knew it. coming. Like, there's no substitute for hard work. As much as no one wants to hear that, there is genuinely no substitute for the hard work that needs to go into it. Yep. Yeah. I think that working with your audience now, whilst everyone's on social media and I get it, but if you're smart with your social and you're engaging with your social, you can build up a platform. We've got over 12,000, I think on Facebook and I'm not even trying that hard to grow it on Facebook. We've done on the back of yeah on community TV, but if anyone knows community TV in Australia, it's not a huge market share in the Australian market. So we've done all right, but it's taken a long time. I started this in 2011. And yep. if you don't love it, you're going to burn it anyway. And that's the only reason why this thing keeps going. So we all love it. And I think that's more important as well is to not, because that, that love, that test of the love is more important than getting successful or having a song. Well, that's it. I mean, you're, if you're successful, if you're, if you're happy with what you're doing, that's the greatest success. Anything that comes after that is success. And that's what I think I, I've been thinking this for a long time. I've said it a few times in different formats. I think Jimmy interviewed me a while ago now, whenever it's released. And um, I said in there, I think the conversation around all this sort of stuff, all of it, the arts, it doesn't matter. It needs to be the, the societal conversation needs to shift from the rat race and keeping up with the Joneses to what makes you happy and treating happiness as the measure of success versus money. Mm -hmm. That's my personal point of view of that. I know that sounds very hippie to a lot of people out there, but I, just I've been around long enough now to see that that's an important facet to me. I'd rather my kids be happy than wealthy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. And I think that that's a lesson that gets lost too easily along the way. I mean, you look at like, I was going to say here, we're going to do the action moon review shortly, but Toby Rand is in for that. A lot of people might know Toby Rand from rockstar supernova. Yeah. He's doing now <laughs> something else, which, it's his third or fourth project since that um, time. And I don't know how well he's doing, but I imagine he's not a millionaire. 
So that's you know this is all also tying into what we're covering tonight as a cautionary measure as well. So you know, look it up. And that was good stuff. I actually liked the Rockstar show, the the NXS one and the Supernova one. But what do you do? Yeah. Any more you want to add on that, or are we moving on? Also, Rockstar Supernova was Tommy Lee on that. Yes, he was. He was. That's a that's a uh, precursor to a future episode. Yes, I think the next one we're doing is when we're getting onto that one. If, if Brendan pulls his finger out and gets onto it. <laughs> yes. So. That will be most interesting. That one. The funny <laughs> on that Tommy Lee album we're talking about, uh, Lucas Rossi, who won Rockstar Supernova, actually appears on a couple of the tracks with that Tommy Lee album. So there you oh go. wow. Yeah, okay, <laughs> there's a lot of tying into this sort of competition shit at the moment, isn't there? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, One Direction, strangely enough. <laughs> oh yeah, but look at how much marketing <laughs> power went right into that. <laughs> uh, yes, there's lots going on. All right, let's get into a review before we put the audience to sleep. Yep. So, first up for this week is Ashen Moon with. Umbra One. I'm presuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. If I'm not, I apologize. Uh, so seven tracks for 28 minutes. The debut EP from the band featuring In Excess's Gary Beers and Toby Rand from Duke Cartel slash Rockstar Supernova. Uh, released October 2020 via Golden Robot Records, produced by David Reitzis across a few different LA studios. Uh, this is part one with part two coming in the near future, I believe. Uh, and this comes about after releasing four singles as well. Over to you. Um, looking at the people in this band, I actually wasn't quite sure what I was going to get. Okay. Yep. And I was pleasantly surprised. Mm. Um, it's not to call this, you know, pop Rocky is a bit of an insult. Yeah. You I, know, it's, I it's, it's it, yeah, it, it is, it is a, it is a rocking album that's recorded like a pop album. Good way to put it actually. Um, and cause I love how this is recorded. There's a lot of space in here. There's not too much meaning. Everything's nice and clear, left wide open. But the delivery and their the attack on their instruments and the way they've the way it's been sung is very hard rockish. And when you put the two together, they've managed to find that nice little balance in between that little sweet spot. And it's it's really quite an enjoyable listen. Mm. Um, there's you know there's nothing to uh, there's nothing you know out that you know they're not reinventing the wheel or anything they're just you know classic again pop songs rock songs yeah. whatever but you know they they it's, they, they, it's not a dirty connotation of pop no it's a Beatles pop yeah you know they're they're, they're good tunes with they're good tunes pop. yeah so look I mean I don't think this is you know it's not groundbreaking or anything, but I think this is definitely worth a listen if you if you yeah. want, you know, you know, hard rock fans, easy listening, you know, yeah. there's something to relax in the afternoon. This is definitely worth a listen. Uh, Future Kings and Queens were my highlight. What was that? Sorry. Uh, Future King and Queens were my highlight. Yep. And uh, eight out of ten. We're pretty much in agreement on this one. I didn't have any idea what to expect either, so I went into it with an open mind. This is very big on melody, rhythm, and groove from where I sit. Lots of earworm kind of stuff. Great yeah. for radio, infectious hooks, all that sort of stuff is here. I think the production is beautiful on this. I loved the tones. I loved how balanced it was. On top of that, the detail that went into the panning and the layering was impeccable. It's just a really rich and warm listen the overall tone carries that and there's just enough of both the sparkle and the rumble in this to really make this one. It doesn't matter if you listen to the speakers or good headphones or just your earpods, whatever. It, it, it sounds good no matter what. The I've got to give a nod to the lyrics on this one. Uh, for how infectious this is in the hook side of things, there's a bit going on which lyrically gives a little bit of a sting in the towel, makes you think a little bit, which is another good sign of that not dirty pop that we're talking about, the good kind of pop that gives you a, something to, you know, a, a, it's not just, here's a hook, here's some dumb lyrics, you know, there, there's some intelligence that's gone into this and it's very well done. Uh, I like the harmonies on this too and how subtle they were done on this. That was a really neat trick. And the overall composition was really good. I mentioned the layering in the production, but that also applies to the writing on this too. Like there's layering all through this rock from top to bottom is fantastic. 
this is one of those ones where um, like the different tones on the instruments made it interesting as well. The, it all fit really nicely, but it gave the whole balance and push and pull, which is, you, uh, for, I've never heard of this producer before, to be honest. And I'm yeah, neither. Fucking great job. Like really good job on, on how this sounds. It sounds fantastic. Uh, if you're just a production head, this is worth listening to. But on top of that, this is just an easy thing to take in on a casual listen, but also really damn rewarding on the deep listen too. Performances on here with some of the caliber on this, you would hope the performances live up to that reputation and they more than do. Uh, very impressive. And it's, it's tastefully done. This is intelligent and catchy rock, uh, rock to sort of soft rock. Um, but it's got a slight bit of like an alternative kind of a twang to it, which is, incredibly good when it gets stuck in your head too like you're able to just listen to this thing over and over again comfortably on repeat it's not a long one and it's just easy to take in and there's a bit of meat on the bone too which is really cool i like how they added the two acoustic versions of the songs on the end of this ep i thought that was actually a really good touch i'm not normally a fan of just rehashing something but they did it and the acoustic arrangements are different enough to make it really interesting to go to and it further solidified in my mind how well the song's written overall if they're able to translate across into the acoustic setting and, and do it well. And it is very smooth. And, and in some respects, uh, one of my standouts is Mosquito. And in some respects, I like the acoustic version better than the actual full electric version of it. Yeah. You take that for what it's worth. Uh, if, you like, if you like it mean and heavy, then this probably isn't going to be the one for you. But if you don't mind something that's easy to take in and very well done, then check this out for sure. This is one of those ones that for me, I have a funny feeling will stay in my mind for a little while. And I'm very, very much looking forward to part two after the back of this. I'm very curious now what comes next. Gave an eight out of 10 as well. I picked Mosquito, both the acoustic and the electric and also Dust Bowl and Without Faith as my standouts on this one. Yeah. Now to another Australian band. We'll go to Chaos Divine with their latest in Legacies, 13 tracks for 60 minutes. The fourth studio album from the Australian band released October 2020 by Chaos Recordings. I believe they're a Perth band, aren't they, Tim? Yes. Yep. Uh, self-produced by the band across different studios in Perth. Mixed and mastered by Forrester Savelle with recording also done by Brody Simpson, Troy Nabarvin and Simon Mitchell. This one comes as the band celebrates 15 years together and is touched by band members recently becoming parents for the first time. Go for it. Okay, so one of this one. So if you don't know this band, um, I didn't really know this band until now. I heard the name, but not the not the band. If you and you're into heavy music, you should probably check out this band. Yep. Uh, very. So how I would describe they 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 do self describe as kind of a prog band, and I don't know if that's entirely accurate. They kind of you know have they have some progish elements to them, but I would kind of put it in the uh, the the uh, the, uh, the 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 faith no more meets Parkway Drive kind of thing. Actually, that's a really good description. Yeah, the, yeah, because yep. uh, there's a story. There's a story about that. I'll tell you afterwards. All right, cool. So, <laughs> but and again, the camera. Oh uh, no! There's an old band in Melbourne called House of Thumbs that used to describe themselves as Faith No More Meets with Sugar. Oh, uh, okay. Right, and it was just a stunningly accurate description. Yeah. And I kind of again because it is a Faith No More type prog. Yeah. But the hardcore is a very Parkway okay. Drive, mm-hmm. Australian hardcore confessions prom queen kind of thing. Mm. And I think you've hit that nail on the head, man. Oh, but I've listened to these kind of bands for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this is much more your wheelhouse. This is my... And, and what, what I love with this band is the, the songwriting, the way they kind of blend the two styles together, it is it's very much, you know, that light and shade, push and pull kind of thing. Yep. And using one to complement the other and going in between the two to try and test the formula. It's nothing complicated, but... For, for what it is, they do it incredibly well. Everything sounds fantastic. You know, the cleans come when the cleans need to come and the heavy parts come when the heavy part needs to come. Yep. They don't overcook everything. They just give you what you want to hear in a nice, well-wrapped-up package. And, you know, Forrester's a genius. He's very this kind good. Of stuff and done a very good job. Uh, this is a uh, very well-polished uh, heavy metal band and... You know, it's, it's it's very hard to it's very hard to floor this. It's yeah. honestly like there's it's just one of those things where you know, like 
there's a lot of really good bands in Perth. Yeah, I was thinking at the same. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm going, fuck, what is in the water over there? Between Chaos Divine and Ragdoll and Tempest Rising, and you know, there's like these bands that I've I wanted to play with for years. And, you know. I don't think I've heard much bad music come out of WA. Yeah, um, so they're doing something right over there. This is a cracker. Yeah. Um, my only criticism is because of that formula. Listening to it start to finish on multiple listens, which, you know, we're doing for this to review it. Like, it does get a little bit repetitive at the end of that second listen. Um, but, again, that's a minor bit pick. Again, that's not to do with the anything, the quality of the songs. It's just me getting bored. Hmm. And an uh, hour long, too, it does tend to weigh into that a little bit. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a punishing, it's a punishing kind of music. So, hmm. you know, uh, but, again... It's well written and well constructed. Yeah, it's just fatigue when you're doing it on repeat. So yeah, but I mean, most people aren't doing that. So no, exactly, exactly. Uh, nine out of ten. Uh, Instincts, unspoken, and guiding the gravity were my highlights. It's a very good album. Cool. Well, we are so far two for two, Tim. Uh, I've never really heard the band. I've heard the name, but never dabbled until now. This is that mix of heavy and proggy if you really want to dumb this description right down, but I think you've covered that off nicely on that regard. I think the the blending of the melodic vocal and the pitch screams are really well done on both fronts, and there are some good hooks in this as well. I particularly like the subtle harmonies done with the clean vocals over the screams and how they were mixed back on it, but that was also same like applied the same way in reverse. So you'd have um, sort of... You have screaming with, you know, melodic, nice vocals way back and then it'll push forward the other way around. And that was yeah. a really neat trick. The deep dive list on this was so rewarding. Uh, this whole thing is that contrast between beauty and aggression. This kicks you in the head heaps, but just as equally opens up as these glorious expanses of composition, which is fantastic. Intelligent, well-crafted lyrics that really suit all the things that I've mentioned so far on this, and it shows how well written this is and performed as well across the board. And it switches so smoothly between the heavy and pounding stuff to also really groove-based with little moments to catch your breath, all perfectly placed in this. I love their use of space on this record, both in the sounds and the writing. They've done a bang-up job on so many fronts. Like I, like I said before, the, the deep listen is where this is most rewarding. You can listen to this on speakers and on your, on your cheap earpods and all sort of stuff. But if you get onto really good headphones or, or put yourself in a room with this listen, there's heaps of ear candy in this. The layering is impeccable. The production, this is probably one of the... Like, I know that Forest Isabel is good, but I've always had some sort of critique with some of the tonality on some of his mixes. This one, I don't think I can fault the production in any way, shape or form. I think for the style of music in particular, this is fucking bang on. Uh, that balance that go, this whole thing is about that balance and it's displayed also in the track order too. Uh, I thought it was really smart use of the overall composition and how they placed the tracks, keeping that in mind, which made the album ebb and flow really nicely. For me, it held up well on repeat spins. I was able to spin this one a few times in a row and it didn't bother me at all, but I do understand what you're talking about in that regard too, is it because it is a punishing listen, it's a longer one too that it does it is one of those ones where you will, it will fatigue but at the same time not many people are doing what we do where i listen to things basically three times in a row when i sit down to write my review i don't know how many times you do it but i tend to do that three times yeah i'll do it at least twice yeah i always do it at least twice but three times is about where i like to sit with it um yeah so i don't think many people are doing that unless you're but some people will do it because at, but at the same time they're not trying to critique it if <laughs> you're just putting it yeah. on listening to it and it's just spinning it's a different experience entirely. So the fatiguing thing will be uh, hit and miss with everyone out there. I don't think it will fatigue too many. I think it's just, yeah. It's just no, no, it's just, no. Us being dickheads and, and overdoing it. <laughs> um, I think the performance is fantastic on this. It has to be for this style of music to work. If you like what you mentioned before with Parkway, Parkway Drive and, and Faith and More, if you're going to even dabble in that territory, it has to be good. And they are. Um, really smart use of the, the like, I love how they've got not only the technical side, but also they've nailed that sort of feel side on this. A lot of these ones get really technical and lose that feel. And these guys have kept the feel, which is really well done. And this is probably for all we're talking about, you know, the pitch screams and all that sort of stuff and that heavy and aggressive and parkour drive. It's probably a lot more accessible than a lot of people will think. 
I reckon. This, if, even if this style isn't usually your thing, this is one that you probably should give a go. And it might even be a bit of a gateway album for you to explore other bands beyond this one from this. I reckon this is a really good record in that context too. In case you can't tell, I love the production. It's dense enough when it's required without burying anything though, which is really important. And the top end sparkles over the top. The whole balance was just right. This whole mix was pretty fucking special. And if anything, the, the, the emphasis this one had on the top end has really livened this up and, and the vocals cut through just right with that sort of assistance. It's all about balance. This whole thing is about balance and this is really well done. The, the wide range of tones and how they really explore the, the deep and the high ranges also tie into that. So you've got some really cool bottom end, some beautiful top end going on in this think this is a really damn good listen if you like it heavy and or melodic you're gonna find something in this for sure right down like even on the execution side of this the the shortest track on the album being right before the longest track at the end of the album like those that clever one, decision sorry the clever decision yeah that was really well done just so wonderfully executed basically this is heavy without overdoing it it's progressive but not so much that it's snobby it's melodic, but not at the expense of genuine aggression. This is a fantastic melting pot of an album that's really well done. I gave it a 9 out of 10 as well. I picked Dead River Flow, False Flags, and Instincts as well as you for my standouts on this. Scroll past my notes for Tommy Lee because we're doing that next session. So we're going to move on now, <laughs> which I'm looking forward to now that we've made sure that... See, the, the, the story here is we're chatting here with Brendan before we sat down to actually film this one, Tim and myself. And... Brendan actually recommended the Tommy Lee. Well, he wanted. He didn't recommend it. Sorry, he wanted to do it because he thought it'd be interesting, quote unquote. <laughs> Let's just say it will be, and we'll get to it in the next session as long as Brendan. <laughs> but for yeah. now, that's a teaser for next time around. For now, we're doing the Struts with Strange Days. Ten tracks for forty-three minutes. It's the third studio album from the band, uh, the UK band, released October twenty twenty by Interscope Records, produced by John Levine. This one comes after the band got a lot of love for their last album, especially here in Australia, how young and dangerous that was. And also when they played shows here on the tour with Greta Van Fleet, even though Greta Van Fleet cancelled their student illness, these guys kept going. And so they won a lot of fans over for their work here in Australia in that regard. This one also has a few notable guest spots on it. Over to you, Tim. I cannot stand this band. I was wondering how this would go. This is a this is going to be a band that you're going to love or hate. I, reckon. I waited a full year to bury this band last time because we couldn't do we didn't do it with uh, the, the Young and Dangerous review. I had it on the list. I actually wrote a review for it, but we never got around to doing it. No, we got around to, yeah, and then I had to wait until the end of the year special. That's right to to get my chance to bury it mm. and. I have the same criticism with that one that I've got with this one. The only reason anyone gives a shit about this band is because of the guest spots. Yeah. Last year they had Kesha on their lead single. This year it's Robbie Williams. You're hearing less about it because this track just isn't as good as the Kesha track. Yeah. Um, frankly, I heard... There's a couple of these. There's one decent riff in there and I thought it sounds like a nice old style Keith Richards riff and then I checked the album it was fucking Tom Morello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, yep. Like, mm-hmm. Okay, cool. That, that, that makes sense. If Tom Morello was playing for the Struts, he probably would sound like the 70s Keith Richards. Yep. Um, Keith Richards is fucking awesome and the Struts are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I cannot, I cannot stand it. It's just too boppy for me. Yeah, and and I I I I like boppy pop music. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes um, you like pop more than I do, generally speaking. That's yeah. true. Like, I, but, the, but here's the thing, right? I like a well-written song. Yeah, right. So I was listening to um, "Blank Spaces" by Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Right, and and there's there's a, is that the new album or is that this is a couple of years old now. Okay. I, I don't keep up on this song. But the, the, the yep. point is, right, I listen to that song and I'm like, there's a, there's a couple of cool little motifs in there. There's a couple of cool little rhythmic. She did Shake Off, didn't she? Yeah. Shake, shake it Off is a, that's a catchy pop song. I'm not a fan of Shake It Off. No? Right? But okay. there's a couple of... But there's a couple of little clever songwriting things in a couple of his songs. Mm. With this one, it's just like the Wiggles... It's, just, it's 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 like a radio it's like a radio jingle. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, so I can't. I can't. This is a, a, a hard pass for me. Uh, I'll give it a four because you know Tom Morello sounding like Keith Richards is pretty cool. Yep. So yeah, that's but that's and that's my highlight as well. It's called Wild Child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, look, yeah, it's a pass for me. Mm. Um, you haven't reviewed Blackstone Cherry, have you, before with us? Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of thoughts on that. Okay, but, um, but we'll get to that, that might, Hopefully it goes better than this one, but we don't know. Um, uh, no spoilers. No spoilers. No, we have <laughs> Look, my respect for these guys and what they do grew when it was either last year or the year before. I think the year before now. When they came here, Greta Van Fleet cancelled. They went and did their shows and all you know, Melbourne went off and loved them in a heartbeat. I listened to Young and Dangerous. I don't think we ever got around to filming a review on it. I don't recall we did. I knew I planned it and I actually wrote it out, but I don't think we ever got around to it. Now, my biggest critique with this band is that I just don't know if they'd be as big as they are without one, the guest spots, but two, also the front man, uh, Luke Spiller. Is it? I, I just don't know if the songs are there. So this picks up where the last one left off. It's a fun rock thing with more than a little bit of pop in it. Not the dirty kind of pop, it is generally, you know, simple songs, catchy hooks, away you go. The guest spots kind of let you know what they're going for with this. So you got uh, Robbie Williams on the opening track on this, which is also, I think, either the lead or the second lead single from this one. Then you got Tom Morello, Phil Collins, and Joe Elliott from Def Leppard, and Albert Hammond Jr. from The Strokes. They all make an appearance on this record. That's a lot of guest spots for an album that goes to 40. And like, those guys don't come cheap. No. And this band, like, I mean, I'm sure that I'm sure the guy that the, the guy that cost the least was Albert Happen Jr. and his yeah. band's pretty damn successful. Yeah, and yeah, these these guys have lucked out in being everyone's little darling band kind of a thing. The the press love them, the people love them, all that sort of stuff. And you know what? Good on them. Like, do your thing and go for it. This is loaded with hooks and melody. The emphasis is more on the rhythm overall than the guitar work per se. Bass and drums work with the vocals. So that's that hook and danceability effect that you're looking for with this sort of music. Around that, you've got some guitar, piano, other instruments like saxophone. They feel like the sound wall and bring the color to the listen. I think the production is pretty well balanced. The final mix has that overdriven, overdriven fuzzy tone that is fucking all the rage. I reckon that that fuzzy tone on things these days is going to become the new loudness. Oh, yeah. It hasn't no, we'll, we'll, we'll look back on the fuzzy tone like we look back on like pinch harmonics. Yeah, it's it's just the, the it's just a phase phase that people went through. Yeah, I'm I'm getting over it now. Listen to as many albums as we do. It's like for fuck's sake, just give me some good clean production. I don't need everything to be overdriven. And it's like they just put the master and just whacked, you know, a, a guitar. Like uh, I don't I don't know why we changed from like a nice tubey overdrive. That's that's still the peak. I don't know why they need to put it on the master though. They put it yeah. on the master. You don't need to do that. No. It just doesn't need to be done. I think that, you know, for what this is, the lyrics are well done. It's got that sass. It's, they're definitely going for the Freddie Mercury flair. And to be honest, they do that pretty well. You listen to the way he talks and all that sort of stuff, you know, being from the UK, all that sort of stuff, it helps with that a little bit. So he's got some natural, you know, front man ability that Luke's Phil I'm talking about. That's why I wonder about this band. And if it was a different front man, a more vanilla frontman, this band would struggle because these songs are pretty vanilla at the end of the day. There's, you know, nothing terrible, nothing riveting either. You know, it flows, but you've really heard all this before. Um, the, the, the fact they put a cover of Kisses, Do You Love Me near the start of the album does not help that at all. Uh, it just makes the whole thing feel more aged than it actually is. You know, it's a nice little listen with a bit of fun, sass, all sort of stuff. Overall, I feel like this band is obviously a better band live than they are on record for the feedback. I haven't seen them live, so I can't make a judgment call on that. But from the feedback you get, apparently they are riveting to watch live. And I would be curious to watch them live and see how that stacks up against, you know, if I'm going to be shelling in a lot of hard-earned money, I'm not going to do it because I don't think they're worth the money on the back of the albums. But if I've got the chance to see them live... I would be curious as to how the, these songs and the energy that they present in the front man aspect and all sorts of stuff would translate in the live environment versus we get in the record. This won't knock down doors for metalheads. Um, I'm not sure it'll really appeal to hard rockers either. This is a record that makes you think you listen to rock when really you listen to pop. 
Uh, yes. It's, it's a safe and easy record. Well, I think if, you, if you're uh, somebody who listens to this, if you've found, if, you're, if this is the first rock album you listen to, mm. uh, I would suggest looking up bands like The Kooks and Fratellis. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they probably do it better. Hmm. Even things like uh, The Strokes and all sort of stuff. Yeah, well, that that first Strokes album's got tunes on it. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, it's an interesting one. Look, I've probably scored it a little bit higher than I would have done, probably because of my overriding respect for what they've done. I've probably given them another. I didn't want to go too hard on them, so I've given them a seven. Uh, but that could probably drop if I'm being completely honest with myself on that regard. Because uh, when I was listening to this one, out of all the albums we've done today, I picked a handful of standouts on each release, and it's been good to listen to this one. I really only found three, and the third standout was more of a, yeah, that'll be a good one, as opposed yeah. to some sitting going, yeah, I love that song, yeah, I love that song, yeah, I love these, oh, these are good songs. I mean, there's a big difference in mentality on this one from the rest of the records today. Uh, so my standouts were, I hate how much I want you. That was a pretty cool one. Uh, Can't sleep, and am I talking to the champagne? Yeah. This. this is. There's nothing incredibly memorable about it, and that's you know I remember the attitude from the singer, and that's about it. But also because I've seen a lot of this stuff, like watching some live clips and that of theirs, that's where I'm curious about this band a bit more. But they haven't won. The last album was better than this, and that wasn't yeah a huge album either. So I don't know where they're going, but we'll see what happens. Like I said, they're they're the media's darling. So as long as everyone loves them, and well done to them. I'm not. I can't do better than him, so whatever, you know, go for it. But yeah, it's not really grabbing me. Let us know your thoughts out there. I want to know, I want to know what the audience, where this band sits with the wider audience. Do you know what I mean? Like I've seen yeah. all the posts, people love them, but I want to see if it's a universal thing or if there are plenty that struggle with them. It's, well, I mean, there are people, grievance. there are people who have been on the show who love them. Yeah. So, but I they, they've got that Greta Van Fleet effect. I reckon they're either, you're either going to love them or you're going to hate them. Yeah. I don't think there's a middle ground with this band. It's very hard to find a middle ground. I, I imagine, but I haven't heard much negative feedback for this band yet. So that's the, yeah. Part. I wonder if we're on the outside or if we're in the middle. We're the ones just not getting it. <laughs> yeah, we might be. And that's okay too. We might just not get it. And that's okay. I've got no problem with that. If, if it's funny with the age bracket between us, if we're not getting it, <laughs> you know, I can't yeah. blame on the old man syndrome in this one, but you know, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't. If it was the songs alone, this ain't going anywhere. Yeah. Not for mine. I hear better songs at the pub when you can go to gigs every weekend. Yeah. That aren't on radio. So, anyway, we'll move on. <laughs> get that again. Time for the main event of the evening, and we're moving on to uh, Blackstone Cherry with the Human Condition. 13 tracks for 46 minutes. It's the seventh studio album from the American band released October 2020 by Mascot Records, produced by bassist John Lawhorn at his Monocle Studios. We've had a lot of love for this band in the past over the years, so let's see how this one stacks up. And that's why I was asking you earlier on about where you would land on this. I'm curious where you will sit with this one, Tim. So over to you. All right, so I am... Uh, I try to be fair with interviews, yep. so that's true. Um, I, 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 I don't know too much about Blackstone Cherry. I know... I've seen an interview. I've seen, I think you've interviewed them, haven't you? Yeah, I've interviewed them, I think, three times now. Yes. Uh, I've seen you interview them. I've, I think they had a couple of songs on an old, on an old SmackDown versus Raw game. Maybe, yeah. Um, and I think that's pretty much all I've really known about Blackstone Cherry, apart from that. I do know they are a very successful band. Yeah, they're doing pretty well for themselves. <laughs> um, especially in that sort of... Um, you know, American rock radio, yeah, kind of heartland stuff. So, my my thing with this album is it's it's going to depend on what your attitude is going into it. Yeah, and, and what I mean by that is there's some there's some radio candy on here. Oh yeah, for sure. And there's a couple of there's a couple of ones, and I mean, I'm not going to lie. There's one or two tracks that sound like Billy Ray Cyrus. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But, right. but like if you and that's what I mean by it depends on what your attitude goes. Yeah. If you if you can overlook that, for the most part it goes pretty well. 
See, I'm coming from a place of love for this band. My interactions with them are going to color my perspective in a big way. That's what I mean. It's like, for the most part, it goes. Yeah. It just depends on your attitude. I mean, if you're going to focus on the ballads and the, the stuff like that, then, you know, you're going you're gonna to focus on it. But if you, if you take, take a step back and listen to it for what it is, it's, it, it does go very well. And what I was going to say with the ballads, I mean, like, there's like this two or three on here, but like, there's one, like, yeah, if my heart had wings. Yep. Which is actually a pretty good one mm. for all things considered. And the fact of the matter is, you know, the reason why I say, you know, because I know these guys are successful. And from a purely business standpoint, people got to listen to it. Oh, yeah. And when you're at a, when you're at a point where, where these guys are, well, you know, if, if I were them, I'd look to have that one or two bits of radio candy on there as well because at the end of the day that's what that's that's what pays the bills it works for nickelback it works for three days grace it, uh, sorry uh three doors down sorry like um yeah i don't know like i reckon this is better than that oh uh, yeah i would don't worry i'm not lumping him in the same category as that but i get why someone that would be a critique. but i mean yeah this is um you, you, for a um a professional band touring making a career I think this is almost like a perfect album. Yep. In the sense that, you know, there's enough singles to get a year's worth of traction mm-hmm. and a year's worth of touring, a year's worth of income. And there's enough on there where... Deep cuts are going to please for The a deep while. cuts are going to please people and it's not going to piss off your girlfriend. Yeah. And it's, it's just a really well-executed, solid rock album. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's my review on this. I think... Yeah, I don't have too many complaints about it. I think Some Stories is my highlight. Cool. On the back yeah. of the album, just because I'm a sucker for a, you know, chunky guitar tone and a strong yeah. backbeat. Don't worry, it was one of mine as well. Yep. Yeah, great track. Yeah, it's a really good album. Eight out of ten. Beautiful. This is a pretty vanilla episode. We're both in the greens in a lot of <laughs> Um oh, Look, I'm coming into this band, like I said before, with a lot of love for these guys. Having hung around with them, interact with them, like they are lovely people, which is first and foremost in my mind. And they haven't got a bad album. And some of their songs are fantastic over the years. I don't think this is their strongest record, but I think it's a very solid record. Uh, this one's a little more tight than previous records have been. Uh, it's a little bit less of the sort of the looser kind of a groove they play with it. They've got a sharper execution focus on this one, which... They were never sloppy at all, never even close. But this is just a slight tightening up of, you know, doing things in their own studio, I guess. Um, Chris Robertson, the vocalist, he is fantastic for mine. I think his vocals and his lyrics are always on point. I love his storytelling, but also his emotion in the voice. Where they put the vocal on this mix is really good too. And some of the backing vocals and how subtly they're put in the background is really well done. Some nice hooks on this, not only in the vocals, but also in the melody, like the lead guitar stuff was really well done too. And the use of tempo changes in the space was well done as well. The little stops for dramatic effects. Yeah, you've got the, it's, you know, that hook part thing. You can tell it'll go off live because you can, you can draw those out that little bit more to get the pop. But that was really well done. That, that bit of drama is always good in your songwriting skill set. This is a little bit less blues based or Southern based in their previous work or particularly the last one, Kentucky. Uh, it's a little more of the mainstream US rock radio kind of thing going for it. If you like rock music at all, and this is an album or a band you haven't checked out in New shape or form, please do check it out. Because this, if you like rock music, Blackstone Cherry are going to have something for you somewhere in their catalogue for sure. They still have that Southern twang that never goes away, which I am a big sucker for the Southern rock and Southern metal thing. It's a huge thing for me. It never goes away. I love it. Um, but this one has goes through some nice peaks and troughs on the overall album too. It builds up nicely. I found it was a bit of a, a slower burn kind of a record. It started off a little bit sedate and then it sort of kicked through the gears and, and gave a little bit toward I, the end. Because of that, I actually found it got better the more I listened to it as well. Yeah. And on the repeat you know, cycles, kind of, yeah. You kind of appreciate the, the climb a little more. Yeah. The, the, it might not be your first listen wow effect, but the more you sit with this one, it's like, okay, yeah, you get it. And, and once you're on for the ride, it, it makes it a lot more enjoyable for you. 
I love the groove and the swing this band has. The chunky riffs on the same side of that, like on the on the as a counterpoint, are really great too. I thought the production was nice, but it might be a bit too mid focused. Just missing a little bit of the kick. I thought that the like the kick drum effect wasn't really punching through quite enough. Everything's really well captured. Thing is, I love the bass guitar tone and where 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 that sat in the mix, and the guitar tones are great. The vocals are mixed well. Just I don't know. I just didn't feel like the drums came through quite enough. I don't know where did that. I, I'd, have, I'd have EQ'd them a little differently, yeah. just to work around that bass tone a bit more. But a bit more, a bit more top end on the kick. Yeah, but yeah. that's yeah. really nitpicky. Yeah, I'm. That's me. I'm nitpicky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know by now and this is your first time watching or listening to us, I pick on production like nothing else. Uh, that is my uh, my thing. But that said, overall, this is well nice, well well mixed. There are some really nice moments overall captured and presented on this record. I love how the string section worked on things like If My Heart Had Wings. That's the song you referenced before. The string section, that was great. That's a perfect radio single. And the cover of Don't Bring Me Down by ELO was a pretty well done version of it too. I didn't mind that. You got That's the other that bit one. I forgot to mention. That yeah. I, I popped for that. Yeah, you got off on that too? <laughs> yeah. When I, when... It took me a second to go, hold on, wait a minute. I know this song. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's dumb. I, I can see this happening though, like in, you know, with, in a club with, you know, 600 people in it. That would just go off. Yeah. No, that was, they they do some really good stuff in that regard and I reckon live it'll go <laughs> off. It'll be fantastic. And if you yeah, get... You haven't it's a bit seen cheeky. Them live, have you? you haven't seen them live, have you? No, no, no. Mate, you've got to see them live. They're fucking phenomenal live. Yeah. Uh, I think like that, that that cover is something a little bit different from this band. I haven't heard that before. And I like there was there was a little bit of a bongo touch in that. Like there was yeah. some really subtle things going on. I like what they but the mix on that song, I would have loved to have heard that mix on the whole record. I don't know where, but it's not a huge difference. But just something about it just sat really differently. Uh, like the, I don't know. I like the guitar, I like the bass on this. Everything was good. Overall. I'm being really picky, like I said before. I like the little lead guitar touches, and there's nothing over the top dramatic, but just enough to give it a flash. But it was all very, very tasty at the same time. But every performance with this band, every performance from this band, you cannot. I don't think you can fault the performance from drums, bass, guitar, vocals, none of it. I think performances are bang on. This is a very solid, well, well-worked band. That's why I say you see this band live and you'll get it. I reckon if they come when they come here again, we're going. I've got to take. Yeah, all right, all right. You got to come with. They're great. Like I said before, it's a bit of a slower burn kind of an album. May not grab you immediately on the first pass, and I think that even now with the score that I've given it, I reckon it'll probably go up over time. It's one of those albums that'll sit with you a bit. But this is still a very, very good album. I really like it. If you like rock, like I said, at all, especially if you like the Southern twist on things, this is the one to get into. I got an 8 out of 10. I picked The Chain, Live This Way, and Some Stories, same as you. So that was where I learned So all in all, a pretty, like I said, a pretty vanilla kind of episode. We kind of were in agreement with everything there. But at the same time, I think that'll be a lot of fun. So make sure you give us your thoughts out there. Uh, follow us on all of our social media channels, all the details are in the description for the episode. So you know what to do by now. Everyone knows what to do. You know, like, rate, subscribe, comment, feedback, whatever. You know what? I'm not going to go through it all. Uh, but also please check out our Patreon page if you would like to give us any support. We will greatly appreciate it. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff in there like early access and giveaways and things going on there too. So please check it out. While we're on that sort of area, a big thank you to our wonderful sponsors in Squidding, Screen Alt Cult and Rockstar Finance. Again, their details as well as ours are in the description for this, so please check them out. Give them a follow, show them a little bit of love uh, for what they support us here at the show in what we do. Also, for now, uh, we don't know what's happening after June 2021, but for now we are on TV, so check us out on Melbourne on Channel 31 Saturday nights at 10.30pm, on Adelaide Channel 44 at 10.30pm on Thursday nights. Uh, and our next special episode at the end of November is all about 1980. And in our next session, which we worked out tonight before we sat down to film this one, you, me, and Brendan went through it. We're going to be covering the latest from Vessel, Tommy Lee, Mr. Bungle, Seven Dust, and more. So that's what's coming up. But now it's time for our favorite part of the week. Uh, I'm getting better at this shit every time I do it. <laughs> it's going smoother and smoother. Hopefully it is anyway. I don't know. Um, time for the bin. So, Tim, what have you got for the bin for us this week? Uh, first of all, um, I, this is not a bin, but uh, 
ABC do fantastic election coverage. Yes, better um, than watching the rest. You know, old, uh, you know who, who, who doesn't love Anthony Green? He's, know, he's he's brilliant, isn't he? Yeah, he's fantastic, and he's a, he's a politics nerd. I, I love his. Uh, I love. I appreciate his passion for it. It makes me feel like I'm not alone. I'm the same as you, man. I love his work. Uh, the my my, my bin yeah. is. <laughs> Sky News' coverage of it? <laughs> no, no, no. But bin, I, I, I don't even know if I want to put this in the bin because I enjoyed it, but watching One Nation and the Liberals complain mm-hmm. about fucking Australia Post delivering postal mails that week as opposed to whenever they were hoping for, I don't know, uh, complaining that there's no local newspapers anymore, even though they were the guys that got rid of the local newspapers. Yep. Like it's how is that for irony, eh? Oh my god! Beautiful. Um, by the way, you know, uh, sign Kevin Rudd's position if you haven't. Yes, definitely. Um, we need independent media in Australia, and I'm not saying that just for my opinion because we need all opinions to be heard. Yeah. No. Uh, we, so <laughs> Murdoch needs to go. Yeah, that guy needs to be frozen out. Mm-hmm. Thought out, but like, just take responsibility for your own actions. Admit that you lost, and move on with it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. it. And that's why people that, hate politicians. That's it. And just get on with the job and represent your constituents. While we're talking about this, my bin first off is Josh Frydenberg. <laughs> Given a chance to to um, don't get me wrong. I I get that it was wedge politics. Labor put forward the motion to you know commend Victoria on the job they'd done on beating coronavirus and all that sort of stuff. I get it was wedge politics. But how you respond to that is a measure of the caliber of the person you are. And I know that some people think that Josh Frydenberg hit the tone right. I think he's a fucking moron myself. That mm-hmm. could not have infuriated him more if he tried. I hope to hell that the people in Kuyong vote that fucker out next time around. I hope no one forgets it and I hope his children drop a bit to be a better class of human than he clearly is. For him to bring up suicide and all that sort of stuff, when his government oversaw an illegal robo-debt scheme that caused suicides as well, to politicise suicide when convenient. And when incorrect. Yeah. Factually incorrect. Correct. Proven incorrect. Uh, spare me. Just fucking spare me. Like, I, I cannot believe he's... I know that the general populace won't get it, I understand that, and it plays nicely in the media and all that sort of stuff, but the way that the uh, Liberals and the media have decided to punch down at Victoria while we've gone through, in particular Melbourne, uh, while we've gone through a very difficult time, we're still not quite out of it yet, but we are at least seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. It's deplorable. And that, to me, was for the treasurer of this country who has aspirations to be the Prime Minister one day to do that, I hope he gets out on his ass fast and we can fucking think. Yeah, about just, just, just as a side note, like the game that's being played right now is um, basically Daniel Andrews is so popular they can't touch him. Yeah. So, so what they're trying to do is um, undercut him federally mm-hmm. and hope that Victorian people are dumb enough to blame him for what the federal government is doing and to try to elevate the Liberal Party politician, which mm-hmm. clearly is not working. <laughs> Have you seen the liberal policies of late? Tim Smith was going blah, 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 in fucking Parliament in Victoria. Fuck. Wasn't there? He was watching ABC News and that girl from Townsville complaining about Australia Post, and they had the Queensland Liberal senators in there going, "I don't know what she's talking about." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's nuts. Like, oh my how, God. How Scott Morrison has no time to implement an ICAC, but he can ride around in a tank. I know. Like fucking not. Oh fuck. I think that you and I, over the next couple of years between the next elections, are probably going to become a lot more vocal on social media with our stances on these kinds of things. I know that I definitely have to. I'm over it. Um, but for a lighter note, while I was going shopping this week, I do have another, another bin that's going to end this one on a bit more of a funny note. I don't want to end on a down note. So I found this one here. As soon as, you know, it was pretty clear that, you know, Halloween wasn't going to be traditional this year. We have to bag it up and stick it out the front and no one can interact, you know, contactless, you know, trick-or-treating. Once it, that became apparent, everyone started to pull down the Halloween decorations in your local Woolies or your Coles or whatever else. And then the Christmas stuff came out, which we all know that's 
commercial, whatever, and I don't care about any of that. What what irked me about it was when they're selling Christmas t- cakes or Christmas tarts, but they have an expiry date of the 20th of November. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fucking pointless. <laughs> like, I don't get it. It's a Christmas product. It's got Christmas on the label, but the best before date is the 20th of November. What the fuck are we doing? Seriously, people, calm your farm. Fuck me dead. That's enough. (laughs) I think we are well and truly down the rabbit hole on that one. So that's enough of that. But yeah, that's it for this week around. Thank you so much for putting up with our antics. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Make sure you give us your thoughts on any and all of these releases and make sure you do check them out to make up your own mind. Don't just take our word for it as well. But yeah, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to you, Tim, for taking the time to to sit down with me and do this one tonight, especially got a bit later with us chatting to Brendan for a while before we got stuck into it as well, (laughs) but it's always good fun. I've got it all recorded. I'm sure I'll find some golden there to use. in general, we'll, we'll see how we go with the releasing of it. But again, that's it for now. We'll be back again very, very soon. Until then, I'm Andrew. Tim. As always, drink up. Rock on. looked over on the wall and saw the Gretsch here like when did you buy that? (laughs) 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 Oh yes how'd that conversation go? Yeah pretty good thank you (laughs) (laughs) it is of course a flame orange fucking Gretsch on the wall (laughs) oh wow well done. Yeah, you yeah, on, obviously. It, it's the whole thing. It's better to ask forgiveness than permission. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>